This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Yachts and Audibles podcast. It's an emergency edition. I'm Matt Prame. Eric Scopel is with me as always. And before we dive into this one... I uh, want to remind you, two months for $1 promotion going on right now for a VIP membership at DuckTerritory.com. Two months for one buck, $1, $1, 100 cents gets you in for two months of VIP coverage. Recruiting news, you get coaching scoop, you get uh, coverage of the basketball teams for the men and the women who are both in the top 10. You get coverage of the football team like this podcast is going to be. This helps support this podcast where we... uh Cover everything from football to basketball to recruiting, everything in between. Uh, $1 for two months. Don't miss that out right now. And then it rolls over to $9.95. And the kicker with that is you get CBS All Access when your promotion ends and you go to full price. And with CBS All Access, you get over 10,000 movies, live shows, on-demand shows, live sports, all commercial-free with your subscription to DuckTerritory.com. So jump on that today. All right, Eric, uh, we did a podcast on Monday. This is Monday the 13th, day of the national championship game. It was a basketball podcast, but we have to do another one today. This is our second podcast of the day because four juniors had scheduled a press conference at Oregon. Tom, uh, Thomas Graham, Diamante Lenore, Oregon's two starting cornerbacks, uh, Jordan Scott, Oregon starting nose tackle, and then Austin Folio, Oregon starting defensive tackle, all announced their press conferences for today to announce their decision on what they were going to do with their final years. All four of them had requested NFL draft advisory uh, recommendations, uh, and all of them had opportunities to go pro, end their careers at Oregon, and down the line, uh, and just, I, I think, pretty cool moment for these four and for this program. All four of them down the line said they're excited for their opportunities at the NFL, but that's going to be put on hold for one more season because they all want to come back and play one more season of football for the Oregon Ducks, all, in t- all announcing they're returning to school. I mean, massive Massive day, uh, you know, in terms of this defense, you can now say they return nine of 11 starters from this last year's team, which we should say was, I don't know, arguably the best defense in the Pac-12, certainly one of the best, probably 10 or so defenses nationally when you look at comprehensively of how, where they finished in scoring defense, rushing defense, sacks, where they finished and led the country in interceptions. I mean, this is one, this is one of the best defensive groups already in 2019, and now you look at 2020 with basically the whole group back, and I must say I got a little bit Thomas Graham started off, and the way he was, Matt, you can probably, I don't know if you felt the same way, but the way he was started talking, I was thinking, yeah. oh, are they all are they all announcing they're going pro together? Is this going to be like the total opposite of what we thought? Um, and it wasn't that scared, but I was kind of like, oh, it kind of sounds like he might be leaving. But uh, but no, they're all coming back, and, and, and huge for, for this team. And, and now you look at this roster, and it's like, boy, defensively, especially in that defensive backfield, like, 
Andy Avalos and Dante Williams and Keith Hayward are going to have some really tough decisions to make about how they want that rotation to work out because they are absolutely loaded now at safety where they were already a little crowded with Verone McKinley, uh, Brady Breeze, and Nick Pickett, and Javon Holland kind of playing that nickel position. But now at cornerback, you have Thomas Graham, you have the Amadeo Lenore, two guys who started for, in Graham's case, he started 39 of the last 40 games for Oregon, and Lenore started 27 consecutive games. Um, you have two of the better cornerbacks in the conference coming back. And, oh, wait, you also have a guy like Mikhail Wright, who is clearly capable of playing big minutes. And you have Dante Manning, one of the best uh, cornerback recruits in the 2020 recruiting class, coming in as well, along with Luke Hill, who I think was also one of the 10 or 12 best in the country, too. So um, it is a very, very loaded secondary and a group you have to be very, very excited about. Um, Diamond Lenore talked about how the competition is going to be crucial in pushing everybody. And I thought Cristobal answered it kind of interestingly, saying that in terms of developing the quarterback and the wide receiver position, the corners being this strong and this this high caliber, that will be a thing where, again, iron sharpens iron, which is one of his favorite phrases. And you certainly that makes certainly makes a lot of sense in terms of these wide receivers and this court, whoever the quarterbacks are, are going to be facing some of the best defensive backs in the entire country every day in spring practice, every day during summer workouts, and every day during fall camp. And that's a heck of a way to provide them uh, the opportunity to improve and be ready for this upcoming season. For me, um, my my biggest takeaway was Oregon's depth chart throughout the season and into the Rose Bowl listed their official depth chart with expanded notes and everything. That's like their their primary depth chart. They listed 11 positions, 22 players. Out of those 22 players listed on the depth chart going into the Rose Bowl game, which has basically been their depth chart throughout the year, 18 of those guys are back for 2020. And of the, of the group that were listed as starters, you have Bryson Young, and Troy Dye. Everybody else, uh, you, had, you also had Lamar Winston and you had Drayton Kralberg, uh, who, who were listed on the, uh, as secondary players at their positions. Everybody else is back. Obviously, Troy Dye is going to be a monumental hit to this defense. You're gonna have, you're not gonna replace him with one guy. But, your defense in 2020, if you're a Duck fan, has 18 of its 22 players back from the two deep in, in 2020 of a defense that was ninth in the country in scoring defense last season. And on paper, at least, your weak point or your your question mark or your concern, however you want to describe it, could literally be how do two five-star freshmen fit into this defense? <laughs> I mean, yeah, well, I mean, that, the reality is here, if you want to just look at it objectively, like they return nine starters and the two guys that replace the starters could both be five-star freshman linebackers and Justin Flo and Noah Sewell. And we don't know exactly if that makes sense in terms of the position they're going to play. I think Flo would be a perfect fit for, for Troy Dice, but I don't know if the Bryson Young role, that stud position is totally how they want to utilize a Noah Sewell, but it very well could be. And if it's not him, it's probably a Mace Funa, another guy who was very, very highly regarded to be a sophomore next year. So um, the problems they're going to have are all very good ones. I mean, you're going to be talking about a defensive backfield, like I said earlier, that is just crowded with talent where, you know, Verone McKinley, who was we just named today a, you know, freshman All-American by the Football Writers Association, 
was basically, I don't want to say bench, but he lost his job in the last four games of the season to Brady Breeze, and now he's going to have to figure out a way to get on the field. And you have a guy like Mikhail Wright, who was one of the best freshmen in the conference as well, uh, one of the best corners in the country as a, for a freshman, who he's going to have to now be battling for playing time at corner. Um, the defensive line, I think, is maybe the spot where you were, were concerned if you lost Jordan Scott and Austin Fayula. Oh, boy, like how are they going to deal with, with replacing those guys? But those guys are back now, and, and there is a lot of depth up there. So um, it, it's hard to – you look through this defense, it's hard to look at it and, and find a place where you're, you have a weak point or a place that you're really concerned. I mean, I think it probably is those linebacker spots, but – um, it'll, it now, it's now going to be how quickly are these five-star, you know, and five-star talents are typically ready to come in and perform at a pretty decent level. We saw what Kayvon Thibodeau did this last year, and if if Flo and Sewell are able to play at even a, a fraction of that percentage, you know, at least the way he was playing down the stretch, you're getting a hell of a lot of production out of those guys, too. So yeah. Christopher's so comment post-game, or post-game, post-press conference. Go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, you have to imagine that Avalos was smiling wherever he was, but go ahead. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, his defense is going to be loaded, and that's what Cristobal was talking about after the press conference from the four players was over, was that this group was so good in year one of a defense, and now there's so many of those key guys back that have experience in the group that will only you know stack more information on top of more information and they're going to know what they're going to be doing. They know their assignments. They can add more wrinkles. And on top of that, now you have 18 guys on the two deep during spring ball, during fall camp, during off season training that can help bring along younger players to self coach your own defense. I mean, that's, that was one of the, the biggest talking points from Mario Cristobal after the press conference was over was that, this group now has leadership, they have talent, they have experience at all three levels to help bring along guys that are either younger or still picking up the defense. And that's you, – you, you cannot put a value on that. Yeah, and I think a thing that stands out too is it's clear that the expectations are very, very high. And one of the things Thomas Graham said that really stood out to me was that um, – he told his teammates to keep him accountable for if there's a day where he doesn't perform very well or his head's not fully in it to remind him that the reason he came back for his senior year was not to slack off. His, his reason for coming back for his senior year was to elevate the program and keep playing at a high level. So this is not a group that I think comes in, and I think Cristobal said this off the record afterwards basically, but was basically this is not a group that this group is not thinking, oh, we're content. This is a group that wants to perform at a high level and keep elevating the program. And, and I think – you're going to see that from this group because they made a concerted effort, the four of them. They all came in in the same recruiting class. They played together for four years, started together, especially the last two. Um, they came back for a reason, and that reason is not just, oh, we want to have another fun year of college. I think that they want to come back and accomplish some more things. And, you know, you think about it, it would have been pretty easy for them to go out the way they, they could have gone out after their junior years. Rose Bowl champions, Pac-12 cha- conference champions, those are things that that uh, everybody hopes to accomplish uh, and, and dreams of accomplishing, and they were able to accomplish those things and yet said, hey, there's another year available. We want to take advantage of that. And so clearly I think you come into this season thinking they're going to be very capable of, uh, of pushing for a conference championship again and then greater aspirations than that, I'm sure. Let's take a quick break. Um, I want to touch on something when we come back of that 
Thomas Graham talked about for the year 2020. All right, welcome back to the Austin Audible's podcast. Matt Bream, Eric Scopel here, doing an emergency podcast reaction of this defense, uh, of quartet of players announcing their decision to come back to school for their senior seasons. Um, one of the things that really stood out to me was that I asked Thomas Graham and all four of the players just kind of what are their thoughts going into this position group, this defense of unit as a whole, in 2020, knowing all four of these guys have started basically all three years of their careers at Oregon, so many other guys are going to come back. And Thomas Graham basically said dominant. They want the defense, they want this group to be known as a dominant unit. And for the longest time, like under Oregon football, uh, and still to this day, and understandably so, Oregon is associated with speed, with explosion plays, offense. Like, putting up the points, you're going to have to score 40 to have a chance to even be in the pace with Oregon. And under Cristobal, the entire dynamic of this program has changed, where, yeah, previous teams were physical, previous teams were fast and strong and big, but this is on a whole other level at Oregon. And I think 2020 could be year of the defense. Like, we always see that, right? Like, Oh, 2018 is the year of the Pac-12 quarterback. 20, you know, 2019 is the year of elite offenses in college football. Yada, yada, yada. For Oregon, individually, 2020 could be the year of maybe the best defense from a statistical standpoint that we've seen ever at Oregon. You know, I think that's, that's the ceiling of this group is they could go down. We talked about gang green. We talked about this year, Gangrene 2.0. Um, Oregon defense in 2020 has a chance, even though Troy Dye, even though Bryson Young, Lamar Winston, Drayton Kralberg, Gary Baker, Siona Kave, Hockey Woods, even though all those guys are gone from this defense, I think they have that chance to elevate themselves even more and to take into you know, the, the the Oregon mantra, the legacy, even further. I mean, Jordan Scott, after my question to those guys, said, you know, our our recruiting class defensively in 2020 is second to none. Watch out. Yeah, and I think that's a thing that you, you have to also be aware of. And I kind of mentioned it a second ago with, with Flo and Sewell is that they're reloading while also retaining basically everything. So if there's a year for this defense to be something special, and we should say this last season, 2019 was they one were of the special best. already. Yeah, it was one of the best defenses that I that that I've seen uh, Oregon have. You know, in my near 30 years of watching them play, um, but the, but the, just the fact that you basically have everyone back and then you, you're reloading with with a bunch of really talented players. Like, you're right, the expectations should be sky high, and they are. And there are going to be expectations associated with this group this offseason, and I think they're going to use that as fuel to be really good. And we're going to have a really good idea, I think, of of how ready they are for that and how dominant they are early on in the season. And we should say, North Dakota State, if you didn't follow, they're, they're national champions. They just wrapped that up. Ohio State, who they play in the second game, uh, didn't win the national championship this year, but they were one of four teams competing for it at the end. So... This defense is going to have a chance to really flex its muscle early, and you know this is a group that's going to be motivated for that. I mean, these are the those are the type of things I think this group I'm sure came back for was to prove that they can take this to the next level. Um, 
And you're right in terms of like the expectations need to be really, really high for this defense. Um, you know, and, and I don't, there's not really any excuses that I can think of other than Troy Dye's leadership for why they won't be better this next season. Um, because everyone comes back. Everyone should be getting better. I think a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau has tremendous upside to improve. I think he still needs to add 5, 10, 15 pounds of weight in the weight, weight room. And I think we'll see that. I bet you by the time we see him next, um, when they start spring practice, I bet you he'll be significantly bigger and stronger. Um, you know, so th- this, this is a group that you're right. Like, the, yeah, there's no reason for them not to be the, you know, favorite for the, be the best defense in the Pac-12 and be one of the best defenses in the country. And there's no reason that they can't be a team that, you know, maybe the offense, which we've talked about previously, it takes a step back or isn't quite what it's been previously, but this offense can win you football games and, or sorry, this defense, I should say, can, can win you football games and keep you in football games that, Maybe you shouldn't be in because they just can shut teams down. So I think you have to, this is a, a huge day for the program. It's a huge day in terms of keeping this program headed in the right direction. I think if you'd have lost two or three or all four of those guys, the defense would take a, a, a little bit of a step back next year, if we're being honest, especially those guys up front. And, and, and honestly, I think Thomas Graham and Diamond Eleanor are really, really good corners. And I know I think a lot of people agree with that, but um, this is a big day in terms of just continuing to establish that. And I think you're right in terms of, making it even better and elevating this group. And, again, Andy Avalos has to be the most excited person uh, in Eugene right now because he knows he's got a ton of talent to work with this offseason. Well, maybe not as excited as Mario Cristobal, who was present. Uh, and clapping in the back of the room, it, you're right. It, it, for, for all four of these guys, and just to set the, the stage here, describe what it was, uh, Thomas Graham, Diamond Lenore, and then Jordan Scott and Austin Folio all sat in the line in that order. Uh, across a desk where typical post-game press conferences go on. Uh, and the way it was set up was they were all four introduced, and then individually they were all going to announce what they were going to do, and, and they got an opportunity to kind of make a statement before questions were fielded to them. And there was, I don't know, 20 of us media members there, maybe, you know, give or take. Uh, and in the far back of the room, uh, was Mario Cristobal sitting at the bench with Jerry Allen, um, watching this unfold. And after every single guy stepped forward and, and gave his thanks to the program and the coaches and, and then said, you know, after further consideration, I'm, I'm going to come back to school. You could hear Cristobal, yes, sir. And clapping and, and hooping and hollering and, uh, you know, just pure joy of, of seeing four guys go through a program which he noted all showed up when he did as an assistant coach in 2017 uh and are all now going he said it's kind of he mentioned it even how it's kind of cool that in 2020 they're all he's going to see these four guys who showed up the same time he did leave the Oregon football program uh where you know a, a position that's so much it's in a much better place than when all four of these guys arrived uh, pretty cool moment there, um, as well. And so Crystal Ball himself was pretty fired up. Now, real quick, before we wrap this up, I think we should also discuss a little bit of other news that we got, um, from Mario Crystal Ball's press conference because all four players spoke and then Crystal Ball came up after four left and held court for, I don't know, 25, 30 minutes with the media fielding some questions. Um, most notably, you know, obviously the four, four, you know, four guys coming back. He said there was no real introductory, you know, statement that needed to be made. Those four guys gave the perfect one. Uh, he's, he said how invaluable that's going to be for the program and, um, he was fired up for that. 
Uh, he said all four players had, you know, decisions to make and they gave all the information to the families and, you know, they worked with the families of, of coming to a decision. Didn't really sound like Crystal Ball told them one way or the other what they should do. Just kind of let that fall, you know, the chips fall where they may and they'd react, but he'd at least help them have any piece of information that they needed, uh, to, to make an informed decision. Um, but then he also gave some updates on the status of Jalen Red and, and also some updates uh, on the offensive coordinator search. Yeah, we'll start with Red. Um, not a lot of description in terms of – no more details in terms of what transpired and why he missed the Rose Bowl, mm-hmm. just that he has resumed classes and working out with the team. So that's good news. Um, there was a lot of speculation about stuff. I don't think we even need to talk about what the speculation was, but there was maybe some concern from some about whether or not he'd be with the team going forward. Clearly, there's no need to concern be concerned about that because he, he is with the team, and it sounds like we'll be a part of the team going forward. Um, and, and that's significant. At wide receiver, that would have been a spot you would have had to fill, and, and you'd hate for a player that, again, came in with Thomas and Diamador um, and Jordan and Austin to not kind of be a part of his senior season and to miss out on that opportunity. So exciting there. And then the offensive coordinator search information, um, no one has been hired, which is probably pretty obvious because I think we would have started the podcast there. Um, <laughs> but uh, but Chris Ball did, and we, I'll just read the quote here. He said, we've done a lot of work before the bowl game, done a lot of work after it. We don't rush these things because it, when it's right, it's right. The candidates are all outstanding. They all bring something that makes us better. It has to hit on all cylinder in terms of not only a guy that's great X's and O's, not only a guy that can recruit really well, it has to be a great person, it has to fit the culture, has to be has to be bought in completely, it has to be something that generates the same time, type of momentum that we're generating and it's completely in. And then shortly after that he provided a kind of a brief timeline, even though he said there was he said there was no timeline and then said hopefully a week. So um, so no timeline, but there is a timeline. Uh, so yeah, I, I think it you know there's been a lot of scuttle about different candidates and we've talked about some of them on podcasts and we've definitely written about them on the site, but uh, it doesn't sound like there's anything to announce right now, but you know, it would, it would seem that by the end of this month, at least we'll have an idea of who the next offensive coordinator is. Was that surprising, Matt? I know going in, the two of us were kind of thinking it might be something they talked about more. Yeah, I, I, I think um, Chris Ball wants to get this hire right because it's, it's a very important period of time. Um, for this offense because so many new faces are going to be in place, uh, yet there's still some key guys coming back where you can feel like the way Oregon's recruited, uh, the past couple of seasons that things could move very quickly from an offensive success standpoint in 2020, uh, if things go smoothly. And, and so Chris Ball himself came out and said, you don't want to rush these types of things. Um, he was asked if, uh, but he, he joked at, uh, the reporter that was asking the question of, um, are you basically fishing for information? But he was asked if the national championship had any kind of impact on the, the timeline. And Cristobal didn't say yes definitively, but also kind of left the door open saying like, yeah, basically saying there could be a candidate for some kind of position or something could be involved in the search with the national championship game being played tonight. Um, we obviously know that, you know, there is a report out there that, uh, Jorge Munez, an offensive analyst for LSU, uh, has had discussion with Crystal Ball with, uh, joining the program as an offensive coordinator. We also know, uh, Will Hall from Tulane, uh, is a candidate for the offensive coordinator, Joe Moorhead, who was recently 
let go at Mississippi State was interviewed. We also know Jed Fish was interviewed. Um, Cristobal said, you know, amazing candidates have come through, uh, but he's not going to rush it. And when it's right, it's right. And then they'll, they'll get it done. Um, I am a little surprised that he said potentially end of the week, late weekend, because that is the recruiting period. Recruits, uh, can start having coaches come by the homes, can start taking official visits. Coaches can go to high schools, to junior colleges starting Friday. So, uh, in an ideal world, you don't want to go out on the recruiting trail and have to field questions of what's your offense going to look like? What's the latest with the offensive coordinator? What, who, who are the guys that you're looking at? Because you, you want to have concrete decisions made at that point. And so at the same time, you don't want to rush it, but at the same time, it could hurt you a little bit with just the unknown hanging over your program of not having an offense coordinator while you're out trying to recruit. And then I think one last piece of information that's worth noting is that Cristobal did confirm that there are eight players from the 2020 class who are enrolled and in school right now. TJ Bass, Jay Butterfield, Jonathan Dennis, JJ Greenfield, uh, Noah Sewell, Jake Shipley, Braden Swinson, and Bennett Williams. He also said there will be a handful of others, but didn't name names, that will be uh, enrolling in March for the second portion of spring football. So um, they could have upwards of half the class, maybe a little bit more than that, um, taking part in at least some part of spring football, which is which is very significant, um, but also always here and who will be here for the force, first portion um, of this semester or quarter, I should say. Yeah, and that's look, that's a big deal because Cristobal mentioned how it it's huge to get guys into the fourth quarter program. It's huge to get guys working under some great mentors. He's been one of Cristobal's biggest things is. You know, once he's become head coach is establishing these mentor groups of having older experienced players kind of tagged up with a younger guy, new guy to help, you know, peer to peer bring them along. And he said it's going to be really critical for those guys who are here, uh, to have an opportunity to work with an experienced veteran player to get themselves adjusted. And then obviously just there's no value. You, you can't, can't put a, a, a value on um, cause it's not, you can't measure it. Uh, it's too good of having a guy in for the fourth quarter program and the full, you know, the, the full spectrum of that because literally they've never gone through something like this. They cannot replicate it and being able to have them come through it at Oregon ahead of their freshman season could, could be the difference in them being, a, uh, an impact player right away. Yeah, absolutely. You can't diminish the impact of being here for the spring. You look at guys that were, part of the spring last year, and, and there were significant players that were here for that. You think about Mikhail Wright and, and how well he performed in the spring game and how that might have propelled him for, for the Thibodeau. season. Kayvon Thibodeau, another one that was was pretty notable who <laughs> was here. Um, but, yeah, no, it's it's certainly significant when you get players for the spring, and it's, it's I think it's big for Oregon to have, you know, a, a bulk of this great 2020 class already on campus and getting ready to start working uh, towards their 2020 season. And so while Oregon is not going to be playing a football game on January 13th, 2020, uh, I think it's safe to say that they have won the day uh, with four guys, Jordan Scott, Austin Folio, two defensive linemen, starting quarterbacks, Thomas Graham, Diamond Lenore, all announcing that they are returning to school for their senior seasons, uh, which means Oregon brings back 18 of their 22 players on the two deep from the 2019 season. Uh, huge day for Oregon football, uh, and it's going to only get more exciting because of 
the offensive coordinator hire that's going to be made in the relatively near future. Uh, we've also got recruiting, which is kicking off. Crystal Ball noted that he's got some uh, award presentations for Panay Sewell to get to, and then he will be out on the road for uh, about a month's time, out on the road doing some recruiting uh, for the Oregon football program with National Signing Day's second period coming up in February, uh, I believe February 6th, if I'm not mistaken. First Wednesday of the month is when that is always held. So an exciting time for Oregon football. Uh, and that's going to do it for us here on the Odds and Audible's podcast. For Eric Sculpin, myself, Matt Bream, thanks for listening. Adios, amigos.